0: The House Oversight and Reform Committee recently held a hearing on abortion laws where they rent their garments and screamed for blood. This Texas pro-life law has these abortion crazies releasing their inner legion. Packed with nearly all pro-abortion activists, their lives flowed as quickly and easily as the blood they shed. California Governor Newsom Leany ramps up attacks against pro-lifers by signing a bill banning picketing outside vaccination sites which conveniently protects Planned Parenthood. As the abortion wars intensify, we are reminded of a timeless truth. Neutrality helps the oppressor, and silence encourages the tormentor. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to be doing um, two episodes again a week here. We had to take a little break. I was on the road very much. Uh, had about 11 events in October um, and so did not have time to do our normal two episodes a week, but we're back in full swing. Excited to have you back. With us, again, if you haven't given the show a rating and review yet, please do that. It really helps us reach more people. Um, We are living in a propitious moment. This is a Kairos moment, as the last week's episode was entitled, and we need people to be exposed to these ideas, and we want Christians who say they're pro-life to actually get fired up to do something about it in their life, and that's so much about what this show is about. So help us reach more people and get the show more exposure by leaving us a rating and review. So on September 30th, the House Oversight and Reform Committee had a hearing on abortion where they had one two pro-life voices and then a bunch of abortion crazy hacks um, who unite to protect the sacrament of abortion. Uh, with a passion and commitment unlike any other political position that they will protect. Abortion really is the animating feature of the Democrat Party and this alternative religion of secular progressivism. And that was on full display in this House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing, of course, because Texas. Texas is saving babies. Probably 120 to 150 babies are being saved a day because of this heartbeat legislation that bans abortion when there's a detectable heartbeat at six weeks and deputizes private citizens to file civil lawsuits against those involved with, participating with, or assisting with an abortion not including the woman seeking the abortion, to abide by Texas's pre-Roe v. Wade state law that enabled the case to stand in the first place. And we recently had a federal judge overrule a lower court judge who had tried to block the legislation. So this is all wonderful news, but of course it has the Democrats in frenzied excitement over uniting together to protect abortion. And yet one of the most popular and repeated lies we hear in this hearing, and that has become increasingly popular in the in the reaction of the abortion industry and the Democrat Party to the Texas pro-life law is that abortion is actually safer than childbirth. We've talked about this on the show before, but it's become increasingly popular because it enables them to castigate their political opponents as, as literally sacrificing pregnant women uh, on the altar of their pro-life laws. That's sort of their claim. We've been hearing this claim a lot, but never more so in the past month, that, that abortion is actually safer than childbirth for the mother. Now, of course, if you listen to the show and you're pro-life, you're probably thinking, safe for whom, Seth? Safe for whom? Exactly. Safe for whom? Not safe for the baby who is killed, of course. But this enables them to say pro-life laws actually kill people and they harm the life and health of pregnant women who can't access abortion in Texas. Um, And so therefore, uh, pro-lifers and Republicans are racists because pro-life laws disproportionately affect black America. You hear this talking point all the time, right? Because the minority population, specifically black America, obtain a disproportionate amount of abortions for the portion of the population they represent, that enables the Democrats to say that uh, we're actually racist for our pro-life laws because we're killing black pregnant women, or they call them people because you can't assume gender anymore. We're killing black pregnant women uh, whose life and health is in danger because they can't access abortion. Okay, this is what we hear all the time, right? Now obviously this argument is irrelevant to the pro-life position, isn't it? It's completely irrelevant to the pro-life position because abortion is wrong even if killing the unborn is safer than delivering the unborn, right? Abortion is wrong even if it's safer to kill them than to deliver them because it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Even if childbirth were more dangerous than abortion, that wouldn't make abortion permissible because human beings have a natural right to life, period. And it doesn't matter that that child happens to be in the womb or dependent on their mother. Imagine arguing that, you know, actually killing your toddler, yeah, killing your toddler in her sleep is actually safer than raising her. Because, you know, there's so many dangers in this world, and so, you know, she might be harmed through those dangers, and so it's actually safer to kill your toddler in her sleep. And you'd be thinking, uh, what, Seth? (laughs) Right, what are you talking about? It's not safer to kill someone than it is to let them live. But, you see, the only way that the Democrats can justify this form of argumentation is by doing what Hadley Arcus um, very— very succinctly explains is the strategy of the pro-abortion left, which is to filter out of sight any recognition of another human being bearing injuries that are fatal or bearing the injuries of choice. They have to filter out of sight any recognition of the human being in the womb. So like all pro-abortion arguments, their rhetoric merely assumes that the unborn child is not fully human or that somehow their existence doesn't matter. You see, they have to do that in order to make this argument in the first place, or else they would be forced to consistently apply that talking point this side of the womb by saying, yeah, killing your toddler in her sleep is safer than raising her because of all the dangers in this world. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. But we're going to have our pro-life OBGYN ninja, Dr. Brent Bowles, on the show shortly here to fully and completely debunk this claim that the abortion industry's that the the, the abortion industry's embrace of this lie that abortion is safer than childbirth and what this reveals about their more sinister motives and character. But firstly, I want to play you two clips from this hearing that epitomize this lie um, and, and how smoothly they lie, right? Because when they lie, they speak their native language, right? This is what Christ says about some of the Pharisees, right? Uh, He says, even Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and so it shouldn't surprise us that, that those who do his work do so as well, and you're serving your real father, right? If you're a Christian, you understand this is a spiritual battle, and the people who defend abortion are doing the work of their father, Satan, who masquerades his evil as righteousness and compassion and love. So it shouldn't surprise us that the abortion industry's rhetoric always pitches their values, quote unquote, and their policies with false compassion to make themselves look like the loving one and their opponents as the evil ones. This trick is as old as time itself and goes right back to the garden when the serpent tells Eve that God's holding out on you. He's the evil one. Do it my way and your eyes shall be open. You'll get woke, right? So here's California representative Jackie Speier um, sort of saying this, this first initial lie.
1: To a, a- 2018 report by the national academies of sciences engineering and medicine abortion is safer than childbirth colonoscopies dental procedures plastic surgery and tonsillectomies and yet facilities that provide abortion care are more likely to be subjected to medically unnecessary politically motivated regulations that only make it more difficult to provide abortion services Have you encountered such targeted regulations of abortion providers where you practice? And if so, how has it affected you?
0: Now, of course, this representative is from California, right? My my home state, the once great state of California. She is que- she is questioning Dr. Gazale Moyeti, who's an abortionist from Texas, who you're gonna hear from in just one second. But notice how they roll off this lie off their lips like it's the gospel truth. And of course, they they cite the science, right? They cite research. <laughs> Follow the science, as I'm trying to tell you for so long. Science is a sticker that they slap onto their bigotry to confuse the American polity and keep the pulpits in America silent, right? All the Nazi doctors claimed that what they were doing was scientific, okay? (laughs) The, The Tuskegee experiments were just, it was just following the science, right? And, of course, now being pro-abortion is just following the science. Well, obviously, this is just bigotry masquerading as science. But she just says, oh, yeah, report National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, science, blah, 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 blah. Yep, abortion's safer than childbirth, okay? And now here's Dr. Gazale Moyedi, who's an abortionist in Texas, who's very disgruntled. She's very angry. Why? Because she's making less money slaughtering little humans right now because of the Texas law. Here's what she has to say about this lie as well.
1: SV-8 has not only caused a near-total abortion ban in Texas, it has made it extremely dangerous to be pregnant in Texas, where our maternal morbidity and mortality rate is already unconscionably high, especially for black women and pregnant people of color. Texas deserves better. I know firsthand that abortion saves lives. For the thousands of people I've cared for, Abortion is a blessing. Abortion is an act of love. Abortion is freedom. We need federal protection now. We need laws that elevate science and evidence and recognize the dignity and autonomy of people accessing care. The woman's health-
0: All righty. Well, let's welcome our pro-life OBGYN ninja, Dr. Brent Bulls, to the show uh, to discuss these lies. So Dr. Brent, um, you know, this Texas law, it's made it so dangerous to be pregnant. Um, for, for women, and, and uh, these pro-life laws, they're actually killing people of color, um, pregnant people of color, because we can't assume their gender. Um, and so you know what? You're just another cisgender white bigot who participates in systems of oppression, Dr. Brent, because you support pro-life laws and you want to sacrifice pregnant people on the altar of your um, theocracy. Um, how do we begin to, to make sense of these lies that have become so par for the course? How does the abortion industry and the Democrats even, even manage to justify this claim that abortion is safer than childbirth?
1: Because no one in the media has the courage, wisdom, or spying to challenge them. No one. No yeah. one challenges them. So they, like so many other things, they get away with saying whatever they want to say. Uh, there are two uh, definite avenues of falsehood they used in this uh, discussion. Um, first, we'll go with the doctor. That's the second one you you spoke about. Um she's treating pregnancy like it's a disease. Wow. Pregnancy's not a disease and abortion's not a cure. Abortion is a permanent, brutal solution to the temporary problem of an unplanned pregnancy. Um, and there are alternatives that they wish to ignore. Um, I've taken care of thousands of patients in my career. I've delivered somewhere between seven and 8,000 babies been involved in the prenatal care of tens of thousands of women who I didn't deliver. Um, (laughs) it is not possible for her at her age to have seen thousands of women who would have died without a pregnancy termination. It's simply not possible. Um, because that just, that doesn't happen. Um, You know, when you have to deliver a patient early because of blood pressure issues or diabetes or epilepsy or lupus or kidney disease or any of the number of things that can make a pregnancy more difficult, um, that's ending the pregnancy by delivering the baby, and that's called good obstetrics. That's right. Ending the pregnancy by killing the baby, that's abortion, and it's not even health care.
0: And by the way, of course, Dr. Brent, we know, of course, that in these minority cases, super minority cases, right, Dr. Brent, where the woman's life or health or life, let's say life, is on the line because of her pregnancy, um, delivering the baby early as the condition to save the mother's life is actually safer for the mother than an abortion would be. Can you talk to that?
1: When you reach the point where you're talking about terminating a pregnancy because the mother has high blood pressure or another illness like that, the mother's virtually always far enough along for that baby to live. And simply delivering the baby by inducing labor or by doing a C-section is safer than killing the baby before you deliver it. They act as if abortion somehow... Eliminates the need to remove the baby's body from the mother's body. And there are two bodies involved, not one. Um, this isn't Star Trek. There is no transporter to do an emergency <laughs> transport and remove the baby. It still has to be delivered, removed from the body by either vaginal delivery or by C section. And <laughs> they, they act as if there's no reason for that. Here's the truth. The only purpose of a late-term abortion is to ensure that the baby's fully dead before fully delivered. And if you're really interested in doing things in the most safe manner for the mother, then you don't add the extra steps needed to ensure that the baby's dead before it's delivered if you're worried about the health of the mother. If the mother's health is in such serious danger, the last place in the world she needs to be cared for is a dirty abortion clinic that hasn't been inspected in 20 years, that doesn't have life support, doesn't have advanced cardiac life support, doesn't have um, anything, doesn't have a blood bank, doesn't have a lab, doesn't have consultants who can help with a sick patient. A patient whose life is in danger needs to be cared for in, in, in a hospital. That's right. Where they have access to everything you need to save your life not an abortion clinic that sends you to the local Motel 6 to wait overnight while you labor. I mean, that, that's, it's that's right. mind-boggling that that's right. people aren't called out on this more. Which, by the way,
0: Dr. Brent, that's why, and for the listeners of the show, that's why you guys see the the photos and coverage only from conservative groups of ambulances taking pregnant women who were injured in a botched abortion to a hospital because they don't have everything they need to care for that injured woman at the abortion facility, um, to your point. Um, But, Dr. Brent, you know what they'll say. They'll say, well, Dr. Brent, that's just your opinion. Um, You know, you have your opinion, but I'm following the science, Dr. Brent. And these studies over here show that more women are are endangered or hurt in the process of childbirth than they are through abortion. And so so the studies show abortion is safer than childbirth. Um, How do they attempt to make this claim that therefore then gets enshrined in pro-abortion rhetoric in the Democrat Party um, so regularly?
1: Well, they lie. Um, Simple two-word answer. More complicated answer is this. There's only one way to accurately compare the risk of death with childbirth, to the risk of death with abortion. And that is to have full, accurate, and complete statistics and reporting on both instances from all 50 states. And hmm. such a data set does not exist in the United States of America. It does right. not. There is a there is a statistic that is tracked by the CDC called the maternal mortality rate. And that is defined as the number of women who die per every 100,000 live births in the United States. And that death is is categorized as a maternal mortality if it occurs between the time when pregnancy test is positive and six weeks after the end of the pregnancy, whether that was a miscarriage, an abortion, a vaginal delivery, a C-section, six weeks later, any woman's death who occurs in that period of time is included in the statistic for maternal mortality. Then you have to sort through. Are they in that because they had a car wreck on the way home from the hospital and died? Well, yeah, that's a possibility. Are they in that because they were a victim of domestic violence and the husband Mm -hmm. assaulted, the partner assaulted them and killed them? Yeah, that's included. Are they included in that group if they have an abortion and they didn't tell anybody and then they go to the hospital bleeding out and they die and everybody thinks they bled after a miscarriage, that gets counted as a maternal mortality, not as an abortion mortality. So abortion mortalities have the potential to be double counted, but then abortion mortalities also are incompletely counted. Only 22 states do not report any complications or deaths resulting from abortion to the CDC. And those 22 states, less than half of the states in our country perform nearly 60% of the abortions and have nearly 60% of the abortion clinics. So more than half of the abortions and abortion clinics are in the minority of states that don't report anything. The other 28 states that do report don't have any enforcement mechanisms that require the abortion clinics to report their complications or require the emergency rooms under penalty uh, to report the women who come into the emergency room. So there is no data set that is comprehensive and accurate. And the CDC recognizes this. One CDC physician said abortion mortality statistics and maternal mortality statistics are two different statistical measures, and they are used for two different purposes. So you can't pair them from the from the mouth of the CDC itself. You can't compare them. But there was a study by Dr. Raymond and Dr. Grimes to abortion advocates and abortionists (laughs) nearly 10 years ago. And they tried to put together a data set using estimates of abortion mortality compared to hard figures on maternal mortality, but not adjusting those for real pregnancy-related deaths. And they concluded from their estimates estimates of abortion mortality comparing to hard statistics for maternal mortality they concluded that it's 14 times more likely to kill you to deliver a baby than it is to to have an abortion that's simply follow the not all the science well <laughs> it, that's just not it now does data exist anywhere that does look at death certificates and link it to pregnancy care whether it's abortion, miscarriage, ectopic right. pregnancy, or prenatal care and delivery. Yes, there are two that I know of, two very good ones. One is from California, surprisingly, where, where California okay. Medicaid pays for abortion, but then right. California Medicaid also pays for all the post-abortive care. It pays for prenatal care. It pays for postpartum care. So the interested researcher has the ability to go into that database and look at how many women had issues after an abortion and how many women had issues with childbirth. Database has 170,000 women in it. And that database says that uh, the abortion group versus the non-abortion group has a more than a, double the incidence of death. It says wow. that... Women who have had an abortion are 2.6 times more likely to commit suicide afterwards. It says that teenage girls who have an abortion are 10 times more likely to attempt suicide afterwards. It says that they're between 40 and 60 percent more likely to have PTSD later. It links all kinds of things. Dr. Raymond and Dr. Grimes knew that data was there, but they didn't include it in their study. Then there was also a data set from Finland, where medicine is socialized, single centralized, uh, pay, so, single payer centralized socialized medicine with accurate tracking of statistics and without yeah. all the controversy about abortion that we have here. So there's not a political ideology behind it. When you look at death certificates for women in Finland, and they analyzed millions of records. When you look at death certificates for women and you pick out the ones that had miscarriages, the ones that had ectopic pregnancies, the ones that had abortions, and the ones who had babies, abortion is four times more likely to kill you than having a baby. And that's the best data set in the world. And that's science published in a peer-reviewed magazine and ignored by Dr. Raymond Grimes when they wrote their paper. And ignored by Representative spear when she sat right. there and viewed her lies, ignored wow. by that abortionist who talks about abortion being a loving blessing that's <laughs> yeah. suddenly saved the lives of thousands of women. I mean, right. you gotta have on some pretty tall boots to walk through this stuff. Wow. And not get dirty. Yep. Um wow. it's so that that's what it is. And then the other set of lies that uh, Representative Speer was opened her little monologue with, um, that abortion uh, is such a difficult thing to practice because there are so many regulations that hinder uh, so many. And she acts as if there are uh, jackbooted Nazis banging on the doors of abortion clinics every day to inspect them and shut them down if they find a cockroach under the counter. right there that that just doesn't happen i challenge your listeners and any pro-abortion people who actually have an open enough mind to listen to what we're saying to the very first person who will find us a verifiable report within the last 12 months of an abortion clinic being shut down by a health department after an inspection If you will find something like that that's verifiable and send it to SethGruber.com and we can verify, I will send you a $100 Apple gift card. (laughs) I'm not going to lose the money because it ain't happening. Because clinics don't get inspected. You see, legitimate medicine complies with regulation. That's right. The abortion industry litigates to avoid compliance. That's right. In every example where yeah. laws have been passed by state legislatures to ensure the safety of women who are seeking abortion care by actually acting as if abortion is legitimate medicine and holding okay. it to the same standards that legitimate medicine faces, they litigate and they okay. usually win. And when yeah. they don't win, they push it all the way to the Supreme Court where you just, you know you never know what you're gonna get.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The abortion but, industry is the least regulated uh, industry and medical industry or institution in America. And so there's no way, for, for listeners to, to just briefly summarize what Dr. Brent said, there's no way for us to know the true data sets of, of women who are harmed or die as a result of abortion because they're just not being reported. So you can't compare the abortion mortality with the maternal mortality and expect that data to be accurate to back up your claim that abortion is actually safer than childbirth. So, Dr. Brent, let's, let's close out here with a question. Do you believe the pro-aborts, the abortion industry, and the Democrat Party know deep down that abortion is not safer for the mother than childbirth? Do you believe that they know about the abortion mortality data that is not accurately reported?
1: I think they do. I think they do. Um, I've had the opportunity to review some cases of very serious complications and even deaths from abortion, and they're hidden from the media. Right. You know, they don't—they know this is there. There's one abortion clinic uh, that, in a two-week span of time, sent two women to the hospital, nearly dead, from the very same thing done by the very same doctors. They know that it's there.
0: Yep.
1: There is good data. They, they talk about it. And I've reviewed their informed consent documents, which are falsehoods designed to falsely comfort women about the safety of abortion to mm. uh, so they won't be hesitant to consider it. Um, I've read the phrase in an informed consent, abortion is the safest procedure in medicine. Wow. And, you know, it's referring to a first trimester abortion. And the woman signing that document was about to have a 24-week abortion, but they didn't tell her about the increase in mortality. It's actually published in a journal that supports abortion ideology. There's an article wow. that says that after eight weeks, every week farther along in the pregnancy that an abortion is performed, the risk of mortality increases by 38%. Wow. So how much, how much of an increase is that between eight weeks and 24 weeks? Well, her consent form said it's the safest thing in all of medicine, but the statistics say it's over a hundred times more likely to kill her at 24 weeks than it was at eight weeks, and it very nearly did.
0: Wow, so Dr. Bren, if they know all of the data, if if the high priests of secular progressivism um, and the abortion industry and their political serviles in the Democrat Party are aware that they're lying and they're aware that their data sets are not accurate to back up the claims they're trying to make. Then what does that really reveal about their true character and motivations?
1: That they're not trustworthy providers of health care. Um the AMA's code of ethics says that regarding informed consent, it has to be delivered accurately, completely, and in a way that is not self-serving to the provider.
0: Well, <laughs> no. when
1: these kinds of facts from the women who are considering abortion, that is very much self-serving. That's right. Very much self-serving. And and of course it's self-serving, it lines their pockets. That's right. Um, yes. And the, the politicians who sit up there and support it, either they're just accepting the talking points that come from the abortion industry and they don't know and don't care because they want the campaign dollars, or they do know and they don't care.
0: That's right, so yep. It's,
1: yep. It,
0: Yeah, they do it know not, and they don't care because when they lie, they speak their native language. And the point for us to remember as pro-lifers and Christians, Dr. Brent, is that those who will kill the pre-born um, and convince themselves it's a human non-person, just like they did with our black brothers and sisters, um, will have no problem lying. You know, a lie is is far less of an evil in a hierarchy than killing an innocent human being is. <laughs> and so if you can celebrate... Um, the slaughter of innocent human beings, a lie is far less problematic uh, to your conscience. And so when they lie, they certainly speak their native language. And so this is the point I want to finish on, Dr. Brent, based off everything you've said and based off the fact that we know these, you know, actually it would be an insult to assume, it would be be insulting to them, Dr. Brent, to assume that they don't know these data sets and they don't know the false data. Of the the research they're trying to make. I don't want to insult their intelligence. I don't want to assume that they're that stupid. So I'm actually going to grant to them a certain level of respect that they know the type of waters they're swimming in and the false data that they trumpet, but they're doing it anyways because abortion is their sacrament. It enables them to line their pockets with blood money, as you just said. So guys, for you listening to this conversation with Dr. Brent and I, I want to make this point to you. Sometimes I'm critiqued um, Dr. Brent, of, of, of spending too much time on these types of conversations, right? Hey, Seth, why are you talking about why are you trying to disprove that abortion is safer than childbirth? because that's not the pro-life argument. We shouldn't be arguing that no, 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 it's not safer than childbirth, and and actually childbirth's safer for the mother. You see, Seth, you're focusing on the mother and not the child. Sometimes I'm critiqued of that by some pro-lifers. Let me make my position very clear. I, I said it at the front of the show. Abortion would be still wrong and evil not to be illegal, even if abortion was safer for the mother than childbirth, because it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings, amen. My focus is on the rights of the child. However, when we expose this, Dr. Brett, it exposes to the moderates in our country, the squishy middle who are persuadable in changing their minds, that the pro-choice politicians they vote for and the abortion industry that they tacitly support, they know about this data and they're willing to sacrifice the lives of pregnant women that they say they exist to care for and serve on the altar of abortion access. So not only does the pre-born become a sacrifice, but the women who carry these children become a sacrifice on the altar of their ideology. And exposing that to the public, I think is a worthwhile conversation to expose exactly the type of people that we're fighting against.
1: It's very worthwhile um, and it's crucial. It's crucial that people know the truth. Um, there are two victims in every abortion the baby who always dies and the mother who's frequently damaged who may not have pursued that course if she had been told the truth beforehand. So exposing them for what they are and what they do is a very, very important part of what you're doing, Seth. So I I appreciate everything that you do to talk about this. Um, Everything we can do to expose the ways that they have deceived the public about the issue of abortion is important. Uh, because if we say nothing about these incredible efforts to deceive, mm-hmm. That's right. then we've just given them the ground.
0: That's right. You know,
1: we, we haven't even stepped onto the battlefield. So right. knowing the whole truth is important. Yes, it's a tragedy that babies die, but it's also a tragedy that women didn't understand the truth and chose to do something that they might not have chosen had they known the truth and then they suffer for a lifetime as a result so it's not just the the baby's not the only victim the mother is a victim the father who may have been denied any voice in what was done he's a victim um it's
0: That's right. And they're all treated as sacrificial lambs by the abortion industry. And that's what people need to wake up to. Dr. Brent, thank you for joining us today, brother. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Um, Next, guys, we're going to get to uh, California Governor Newsom Leaney um, targeting pro-lifers in California in order to protect Planned Parenthood who is, of course, a massive donor to his campaign. But first, I wanna share an exciting announcement with you. This January, I am hosting a huge pro-life conference for the church in California. You may have seen this advertised on social media, but I want to share it with you on the podcast now as well. It's called Love Life California. It will be held on January 29th at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills with Pastor Jack Hibbs. That's the last Saturday of January, and it's about a week after the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade when our Supreme Court found a new class of human beings that they denied personhood to and made it legal to kill and mistreat. You know, they say what happens in California doesn't stay in California. And unfortunately, that phrase has always been applied to wickedness. But I believe if the church wakes up in a united front to end abortion in California, That phrase will one day be applied to righteousness, that what happens in California for life will spread across the country as well. This is one of the most pro-abortion states in the republic, and if we can take back life here, not only can we definitely end abortion, but we can save the entire republic because a country that doesn't get the right to life right will be doomed to get every other natural right wrong, and that government cannot be trusted to protect any other right. That flows from that first and most important of all rights. So go to lovelifecalifornia.org, lovelifecalifornia.org. Registration is open now. I would pray and ask that you join us wherever you listen to this show from in California. I'd ask you to make the journey down to Calvary Chapel Chino Hills the night before to join us on January 29th. Kurt Cameron, myself, Jack Hibbs, Anthony Leventino, former abortionist, Melissa Oden, abortion survivor, Justin Reeder, founder of Love Life, and a few other special guests will be joining us. It's something you don't want to miss out on to get educated, encouraged, and equipped to engage to go back to your communities to end abortion so people stop running to abortion centers and they start running to the Church of Jesus Christ. Join us on January 29th, 2022, lovelifecalifornia.org, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show. So I want to close out the show briefly here just to address this new law from Governor newsom Leaney that I want you to be aware of. Um, A pro-life firm has just sued California for banning protests near vaccination sites. This bill, I believe, was signed on October 8th by Governor Newsom in California, who is going on an American Psycho Revenge since those pesky conservatives tried to recall him, and now he's ramping up his attacks against his political opponents, who are almost always typically the pro-lifers first. According to the article, attorneys from a pro-life nonprofit have filed a federal lawsuit to stop a new California law that prohibits protests and sharing information outside of any place that offers vaccines, including abortion centers, because Planned Parenthood provides vaccines. I'm sure that that was a coincidence, right? I'm sure they just overlooked that. I'm sure that was accidental, (laughs) right? The October 11th motion for a temporary restraining order from Life Legal Defense Foundation seeks to stop Senate Bill 742 signed by Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom on October 8th. Listen, this is the type of persecution that the Democrat Party is attempting to enshrine in law. You need to understand this. They want to normalize arresting pro-life sidewalk counselors who peacefully plead for the life of the child scheduled to die. And you know that I speak in churches all across California, and then I raise them up to begin love life, pro-life ministries in their church, to sidewalk council, to provide mentor families for those who choose life, post-abortion healing, orphan foster care, to put a Christian witness outside every abortion center in California. That's so much of what I do is inspiring churches and then giving them the resources, leadership, and training they need to do that in their cities and communities. Well, now, according to Gavin Newsom, he wants those people arrested, okay? This is what is coming down the pike for pro-lifers. According to the article, quote, The penalties imposed under the legislation, which include a fine not exceeding $1,000 and imprisonment in a county jail not exceeding six months. While the law has prohibitions against actual violence, it also prohibits harassment defined as passing a leaflet or handbill to, displaying a sign to, or engaging in oral protest, education, or counseling with that other person in a public way or on a sidewalk area. Man, their language is so specific from these California Democrat legislators. Wow, I I wonder if they were trying to intentionally target uh, pro-life sidewalk counselors, the greatest enemy to the political regime of the left. Of course, because abortion is the sacrament of secular progressivism. So they will unite together to defend that quote unquote right, unlike any other political project or position that they care about. Abortion is the animating feature of the secular progressive movement, which is the de facto state religion of today's Democrat party. You need to understand this. So question, question. If pro-lifers unite in ignoring this law completely and they commit to sidewalk counseling all the more and all the harder, do you think Newsom and the Democrats will just back off? Do you think they'll just back off and go, oh man, I I didn't realize pro-lifers weren't going to like that. I I guess we'll respect their their rights to peaceably assemble and their right to free speech? Of course not! How did they treat people like John MacArthur and my pastor Rob McCoy when they opened their church? They fined them out the wazoo. They cited them for health violations. Of course they're gonna ramp up their attacks. They will increase their attacks against pro-lifers if we unite and sidewalk counseling all the more to love unborn children and their mothers and fathers. And that will mean that they will likely increase the penalties for breaking their arbitrary laws as well. Are we prepared for this type of persecution? Are we prepared to count the cost that will need to be counted in order to stand for righteousness and the life of the pre-born and those who cannot speak up for or defend their own rights? Well, if you look at the California church and the church across the country in the last year and a half, I think the answer is no, sadly, tragically. Now, yes, I've spoken in more pulpits in the last 11 months than in all 11 years of my speaking career. And yes, the line of the tribe of Judah is on the move and he's waking up churches and pastors are finding their spine, but not to the level that it needs to be yet. So here's a question for you. If the church in California can't even stand up against the tyranny of lockdowns, listen, and face the financial penalties of opening their churches when told not to, How would we be prepared to stand against the tyranny of abortion when the penalties for doing so are jail time? Most Christians don't do anything to protect the pre-born, most churches don't do anything to end abortion, and most churches abided by arbitrary lockdown measures that were only targeted against Christians because if you were a deacon in the Church of Progressivism and you marched through the streets of LA and you sing their hymnal book, America Sucks, Burn It Down, and the spittle flew off your lips as you protested, COVID became not infectious to leftists but only to conservatives, while abortion clinics, weed dispensaries, and strip clubs were open. So you could kill your baby, get a lap dance, and get high, but you could worship God in church, and most of the churches abided by these arbitrary discriminatory measures against Christians because they weren't ready to face the financial penalties of opening their churches, then why would you be prepared to count the cost when the penalties are jail time? Actual being taken away from your family and thrown in jail. And you think they're going to stop at six months in jail? No. If we unite against this and sidewalk counsel all the more, the, the penalties are going to increase by the liberal regime, which is built on the mutilated bodies of aborted children. Wake up, stand up. The time is now. This is a propitious moment. This is a kairos moment, and neutrality is no longer an option. And we're gonna to get to that right uh, just next year as we close out the show, because I think that this is very important for you to understand and for us to wake up to. It is in the small things that the rock grows. Do the wrong thing once, do the easy thing once, the self-serving thing once, and it will become easier to do it again. And before you know it, you won't recognize the human being that you've become. You won't recognize the person that you are anymore, a person who stands by and does nothing while evil takes over the country and targets the most little and defenseless among us. If we can't stand against the tyranny of lockdowns of the churches, We will not be prepared to stand against the tyranny of abortion and the penalties that will come in standing against abortion because we're compromising the less greatest sacrament. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars and the pro-life movement, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted and check out our tiers. Just help us support the show. Insulate us against cancellation. I don't know when my show is going to be taken off YouTube, especially if I start talking about the vaccine developed with aborted cell lines, which Pfizer has made very clear they don't want people to know. So check out our tiers like Bane of Choice and Abolitionist and uh, Sassy Since Conception, and you'll get fun perks for supporting the show to help us reach more people, increase our production value and the type of content we create. Thanks so much. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Oh, my So let's finish with this uh, today. I believe that there are many lessons for us to learn from our history, right? You know the popular saying, those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. And unfortunately, we seem to be doing that. And this is why the left has always been so intent on rewriting American history, castigating our history as evil racist, with not a single thing good from it um, in order to write the textbook of American of the American future. If the uh, young people and the posterity of the country don't know our history, not only will they be doomed to repeat it, but they'll be doomed to celebrate repeating it um, as just speaking truth to power. And that's exactly what we're seeing happening Today, Um, but as the attacks against pro-lifers are ramped up, and as the Democrat Party and the abortion industry continue to collude together to protect their greatest sacrament and target those who stand against the tyranny of abortion, which kills little humans in the womb, we need to recognize the moment that we're in, and we need to be prepared to count the cost to stand for righteousness, against evil, to speak truth, to live not by lies, and to put truth Above and beyond and before our own reputation, right in the communities and and our own comfort, we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and I think that if you, I think that you probably recognize that over the last year and a half, the moment that we're in, as we're being told that we have to jab twelve-year-olds, um, that twelve-year-olds can charge abortions to their parents' insurance plans without parental knowledge or consent in California. Uh, that you will be fired, that you'll be denied organ transplants and surgery that you need simply because you're not vaccinated, uh, even though you have natural immunity and you already had COVID, but now you can't get an organ transplant because you're an unwashed, dirty Republican rube. Uh, Do you see how they're separating societies, um, our society, along the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? You know, it's been said, uh, what's the difference between a golden, a yellow star and uh, a vaccine passport? about 87 years. Um, and we're repeating that again by separating society amongst the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean, the washed and the unwashed, in order to justify their attacks against the people that they don't like, the people they already wanted to dehumanize and attack. Those deplorables, those irredeemable, irredeemables, to quote Hillary Clinton. And of course, that is the conservative movement today, pro-lifers, Christians, who should be standing against the tyranny of abortion. Well, Ellie Weisel is someone who stood against tyranny and was able to count the cost as well. Ellie Weisel was a Holocaust survivor in Auschwitz and Buchenwald uh, and wrote the book Night as well, a book that I encourage you to read and is written many other books as well. Because, listen, as the abortion wars intensified, we are reminded of a timeless truth that Ellie Weisel spoke to us, which is that we must always take sides. He said that neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. There is no such thing as moral neutrality on the killing of innocent human beings, do you see? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is attributed with saying, and said in many other ways explicitly, that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act, and God will not hold us guiltless. And we understand this, don't we? We castigate those in 1850s America who allowed slavery. And those who were silent, we actually accused them and believed that they were helping the oppressors, right? That they were taking sides. Through their silence, they were approving of what was happening. So there's no such thing as neutrality on evils like abortion or the Holocaust, or slavery. And abortion of course is the greatest human rights violation in human history and the greatest genocide in human history with over 63 million children killed in America alone since 1973. We must always take sides. And here's the point, if you don't and you remain silent long enough, that will become your new norm and you won't recognize the human being that you've become. If you can't stand against the arbitrary lockdown measures targeted against the church, you won't be able to stand against the tyranny of abortion when the penalties are jail time. And then therefore, will you be prepared to stand against the tyranny of preaching the gospel if we ever reach that point in America? Or when it's declared that saying marriage is a union of one man and one woman is hate speech and your church is shut down, or maybe you're hauled off to prison because you're preaching through uh, the, the New Testament and what Christ and Paul says about marriage Will you be prepared to stand against that tyranny? You always have to take sides. Silence only helps the oppressor and never the victim and those who are being oppressed. And if you don't exercise that moral muscle now, your moral muscles will atrophy and you won't have the inward strength of soul, you won't have the spiritual and moral fiber to be able to count the cost on behalf of the unborn, on behalf of truth and on behalf of Christ to stand against this evil. This is a Kairos moment, it's time to stand. Take Ellie Weisel's advice, take Dietrich Bonhoeffer's advice, take Proverbs 24, 11's advice when it says to hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say to God, God, we did not know about this, God says that he who made your life know it, he who formed your heart sees it, and he will judge man according to what he has done. Meaning, don't tell me you didn't know. I knew you knew. I knew you knew and you did nothing to fight the evil that you saw as little ones were staggering toward the slaughter and you were told to remain silent because that's a political and scientific issue. Take that advice of scripture of our spiritual forefathers who stood against the tyranny of Holocaust um, to apply that to our moment today, to stand now while we still can. For the attacks being ramped up against you as pro-lifers will only increase by this regime, by Newsom by Nancy Pelosi, by Joe Biden, by Kamala Harris, by Xavier Becerra, and the entire liberal establishment who will rally to protect abortion unlike anything else. Wake up. The time to stand is now. Don't ask when, now. Don't ask who, the answer is you. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to SethGruber.com to sign up for my newsletter, to see my speaking schedule, or to book me for an event as I am booking for 2022 already. Thanks so much for joining the show today. We'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.